The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gam Podcast now are presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. For boosted same game parlays to live in game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get an extra $100 at winbet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the DGen Dance. Our March Madness bankroll contest is back, free to enter, and $1,000 in cash and prizes up for grabs. Plus, we've got first half under bingo enter both contests on the sgpn app and welcome everybody to the tennis gambling podcast here on the sports game podcast network it's currently very early wednesday morning march 15th and i'm your host as always scott reichel once again going solo for this pod and it's going to be a fun one because we're going through the quarterfinals of indian wells it's been a fun tournament so far and i'm sure there's going to be a lot more fun to be had over the next couple of days but before you get into any of the previews for the quarterfinals do have an announcement before we get into the recap of the round of 16 picks as well i realized on the last episode i completely butchered the schedule for the matches so i apologize for the misinformation i assumed since you had the round of 16 matches all of them on tuesday it would naturally make sense to have all of the quarterfinal matches either on wednesday or you could potentially have a day off and then lead into the quarterfinal matches on thursday instead they decided to divide up the quarterfinal matches so you have two atp matches on wednesday and two on Thursday. Then there's no matches on Friday. They're taking Friday off. You have the semis on Saturday, and then the final on Sunday. I think it's a bizarre scheduling choice because one group of players is getting a rest advantage over the others because everyone played on Tuesday, and four players have to play again on Wednesday while the others play on Thursday, which I think is really stupid, but that's the schedule they decided to use, and I apologize for not having that exact information in front of me. So I wanted to, first of all, correct myself from the last podcast because I was I did not think there was going to be any days off, and apparently there are. So apologies there, but now to transition over to the recap of the last episode, it was not good. Uh, just straightforward. We ended up losing the lock and the dog for the first time in, I don't even know, a couple weeks at this point. We've been doing very well on the picks, but not yesterday. We ended up giving out Rublev on the money line at around minus 140 as the lock. Not even close. Rublev got smacked by Nori in straight sets, and we gave out Green on the money line at around plus 180 against Fakina, and he got his ass kicked. He lost 6-3, 6-4. To make myself feel better, I was also considering the over two and a half sets. That would have lost two. So not really close on the lock and dog picks on the bright side. Did give out Zverev over one and a half breaks of serve uh, against Medvedev, which was going to be my original lock, but I decided to pivot away from it because I was aware of how difficult it might be for some of you to actually get access for those breaks of serve props. But Zverev got there. It wasn't easy. I believe he was one for his first 16 on breakpoint chances, and then he broke with Medvedev serving for the match in the third set. Medvedev broke back right after that and won the match. But the point is, uh, Zverev got there on breaks. Rublev did not, so ended up splitting the breaks, and the lock and dog didn't work out. So not exactly a good episode, and we'll look to get back on track here on Wednesday. But do want to recap the matches that we saw yesterday and go through my overall takeaways. I'll go in order. 
Fakina was very good. Green was not. I don't really have much more to add there. Uh, Fakina, I thought, would be potentially streaky, and he was very sharp today or yesterday. So good for Fakina, bad for Green, and I thought Green would be a little bit more aggressive on the serve, and I thought the serve and volley could have some success. Didn't happen, and Fakina won comfortably. Then you had the Medvedev-Zverev match, which I thought would be competitive because Medvedev has had issues with the service in Indian Wells and even got injured yesterday because of it. He slipped. And it seemed like he hurt his foot. And as a result, he ended up getting a medical timeout or so. And Zverev tried to assist him, I think, while he was on the floor in pain. And he was trying to basically move Medvedev's foot. And Medvedev told them, get the hell out of here. What are you doing? I'm waiting for a doctor to show up. And I kind of understand where he's coming from. I know Zverev just suffered from a serious foot injury. And I get that his intentions were good. But you probably shouldn't try to move the guy's foot when you don't know what's wrong with the foot, especially when you're not a trained doctor. So I was kind of okay with how Medvedev handled that, to be honest. I know some people might have been giving him a bit of a hard time for being rude to Zverev, but I I didn't really have an issue with it. If my foot was having a serious issue, I probably wouldn't want a tennis player to try to move it without having an actual doctor look at it first. It's like trying to remove a piece of glass that's in your arm or in a piece of your body. But if it's deep in there, you probably shouldn't because it might be attached to like an important blood vessel or an important artery or vein, or you don't know what you're going to do or the damage you're going to do if you pull it out. So some people actually tell you to leave the glass in until you go to the hospital where they have trained professionals to take care of it. I think it's the same idea. Maybe I just didn't want Zverev to do anything that might hurt, that might make the injury worse. And he decided to. Uh, just waited out. So anyway, the point is Medvedev ended up overcoming a potential injury and coming back from a set down as he was able to beat Zverev in a very competitive match. And that was six, seven, seven, six, seven, five. A lot of fun. Uh, definitely a very, very competitive battle. A lot of really butchered break points, uh, really not many breaks of serve but it wasn't for lack of trying. They just couldn't convert. You ended up seeing Medvedev break three times on eight attempts, and Zverev went two for 17. So Medvedev got the job done. Did he look great? No, but survive in advance. And him post-match, he was once again kind of criticizing the court of Indian Wells, and he said that his ankle felt better once the physio kind of took a look at it, or his foot felt better once the physio took a look at it and kind of put tape tape on it. But he said he was going to get it scanned and he would see if he could continue. I'm assuming he can continue, but just keep that in mind that he's getting a scan for his foot and we'll see where it goes from there. Besides that, I said that Nori dominated. He did uh, really just a terrible no-show from Rublev, who looked like he had nothing in the tank and, Rub- and Rublev really just got destroyed. No other way around it. Fritz beat Fuxovics in straight sets. Not surprising. Fritz has looked very comfortable here. It is basically in his backyard, and Fritz is a former champion here. So not too surprising that Fritz did well against Fuxovics. You had Tiafo beat Tabilo in straight sets, and I thought that would happen. Tabilo got off to a pretty good start, though. I believe he was up 3-0 in the first set, and then Tiafo woke up and basically said, yeah, I, you're going to get you're gonna get destroyed now. And nothing uh, that Tabilo could do because Tiafo went from down 3-0 to up 5-3. Then after that, he really coasted. You had Sinner, who beat Warenka. Sinner also slipped in the last couple of games there of the second set. So I don't know if it's an issue with the footing or the shoes or something, but Sinner also 
Kind of got injured briefly, but he walked it off. He didn't have any treatment from the physio, and he won the match about 10, 15 minutes later. But Warenka looked fine in the second set. Sinner just looked really good, and his return game was on point. So good for Sinner, winning in straight sets. And then you had Alcaraz, who ended up beating Draper. I had a bad read on that one. I thought Draper would make it competitive. However, in my defense, Draper turned out to be trying to play. He tried to play through a serious injury, and... He apparently suffered it during the Murray match. I couldn't tell. And you saw him serving throughout the entire match at a very slow miles per hour. And Alcaraz is all over him. And then luckily for us, Draper actually retired mid-match. So we didn't give out Draper on the money line. We kind of leaned to the spread. But that got voided anyway because he ended up retiring. So no real action there. But Alcaraz won comfortably. And then last but not least, you had the thrilling match between Tommy Paul and Felix Algaraliasim. Paul looked like he was going to cruise. He was up 6-3-3-0. And on top of that, he ended up going up in the third set. And it looked really good because anytime you go up a break early in the... um, Sorry, take it back. He he won the first set 6-3. He lost the second set. And then he was up 3-0 in the third set. So apologies there, but he was up a break in the third set. Then Felix broke back. And then you ended up seeing Tommy Paul go up love 40 at 5-6 for Felix with Felix serving. And Paul had three match points there. So it was 6-5 Paul, but 5-6 on the score sheet because Felix was serving. Paul did not convert on any of those breakpoint match point situations. And then you went to a breaker, and Paul was up 6-3 in the tiebreaker and lost the final eight uh, final eight tiebreaker points. So Tommy Paul had six match points and did not convert, and Felix converted on his first tie- his first match point in the tiebreaker and won the match. So very entertaining match, very competitive. Luckily for Felix, he is not playing tomorrow, so he does have an extra day off before he has to face off against Alcaraz. But anyway, very good match. Paul, he, the crowd was rooting for him, of course. He had a couple USA chants in there because he is American. Decent amount of, of uh, Canadian fans, though, who are rooting for Felix, but the point is it was a match that Paul probably should have won, and he let it slip through his fingertips, but Felix moves on. But now it is time to get into the actual previews for the quarterfinal matches. We're going to go in chronological order, so to go through the schedule... You have Nori and Tiafo as the first match taking place at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And I find this line pretty fascinating. You see Nori at minus 160 on the money line. Nori's minus two and a half games at minus 110. And you see Tiafo at plus two and a half games at also minus 110. And Tiafo money line is plus 140. As for the over-under, the over is 22 and a half games, minus 110 apiece. If you want some alt lines, it is 23 and a half at plus 105. The under is minus 135. And for over two and a half sets, it is plus 130. Under two and a half sets is a minus 160. Uh, if you want straight sets, Tiafa to win in straight sets is three to one, and Nori to win in straight sets is plus 160. So to go through the head to head here. Uh, Nori is up 2-0. They faced off a long time ago back in 2019, so I'm not going to factor that in, but Nori did win 7-6-6-0, and they faced off in Delray in 2021. Nori won the first set via Bagel and then ended up losing the second but won the third. So Nori is 2-0 in the head-to-head, but once again, the first meeting was in 2019, so that doesn't really mean anything. The second one, I think, is more telling, but even that match was competitive. I find it a little bit bizarre that the American is plus 140, especially with how well Tiafo's played in this event. Now, I understand the argument or the counter argument 
is, well, Tiafo hasn't played anybody. He beat Giron, he beat Kubor, and he beat Tabilo. I get it. That's not exactly murderer's row when it comes to quality competition. However, I will point out who Nori's faced, and he has faced better players. Beat Rublev handily yesterday. Beat Taro Daniel in three sets. He's been good. Just beat Kasparud Ruud in Mexico a week or two ago. And he did have a basically a bye in the first round because Bublik lost. But the point is, Nori has been playing well. We picked him to win the quarter. We picked him to win the tournament. And he's in a good spot because he's favored to make the semi. And if... If you want my honest recommendation, I would hedge because once again, we got Nori at around seven to one. And I think getting Tiafo at like plus 140 to guarantee roughly, you know, three units of profit. Or if you want to meet in the middle, once again, it depends on how many units you put on the actual um, quarter bet. But you're making roughly three times your money if you hedge right now. So I think that's probably worth it, as I think this match should be a coin flip. I will lean to Tiafo. There's mostly with the home crowd, and I do like the way that he's played. The serve, I think, can definitely benefit him compared to Nori, and I think you'll end up seeing Tiafo threaten a lot in this match. I think it's a coin flip, in my opinion, so I think the value is going to be on Tiafo. Nori should maybe be a little bit of a favorite because he is 2-0 in the head-to-head, and he's faced better players, but I think 160 is a bit rich. I think it should be closer to around minus 130, minus 125 or so, which means that Tiafo should be around like plus 105, plus 110 on the other end. So I'd like the value with Tiafo plus 140. I also like the over two and a half sets of plus 130. I think you'll see a war. And I think that Tiafo, from what he showed in Delray, he can respond from punting a set six, nothing to win a second set. And I think with Tiafo always being a streaky player, you should see Nori's stability cause Tiafo to have a lot of highs and lows in this match with unforced errors and with Nori not possessing not possessing much win, winning power in terms of just creating winners. I think you'll see Tiafo keep a lot of balls in play and he might self-destruct on occasion, but also play some high-quality tennis, and I do think you'll end up seeing a bit of a marathon here. So I will lean to Tiafo. Uh, but I think it'll be a very competitive match, and I do like the over two and a half sets because of it. Now moving on to the other match taking place on Wednesday, which will be the late match between Medvedev and Davidovich Fakina. They did just play a little while ago as they played in Rotterdam, and Medvedev actually lost the first set in that match as Fakina ended up winning the first set 6-4, and then Medvedev woke up and Fakina could not hold the serve this game to save his life in the final two sets, and Medvedev beat him 6-2, 6-2 in the final two sets. They also played on clay in 2021. Medvedev won doesn't mean anything. It went three sets, but it doesn't mean anything because Medvedev's not good on clay. So I guess you can argue since Medvedev's complaining that the surface has played like clay, maybe Fakina's got a shot. But the question is with Medvedev having the injury, but he played through it and he looked pretty good against Verev in the final set with that injury. He's minus 470. Fakina is plus 380. The breaks of serve, I'm not even sure if there's much value on it because Fakina to break twice is minus 163, which I think should probably hit, but I don't feel great about laying 160 on that prop. And the games are around five. It's an even five. Medvedev minus five is minus 105, and Fakina is plus five at minus 125. Over under in games, 20 and a half is minus 117. On the over, the under is minus 113, and the over 21.5 is plus 110, under 21.5 is minus 130, and if you want three sets, that is plus 180. Medvedev to win in straight sets is around minus 145. So, 
The question is, Medvedev got off to a really bad start against Fakina in Rotterdam, and then he woke up and he absolutely destroyed Fakina. So we've seen Medvedev at his best be able to fully dismantle Fakina on hardcore. Now, the problem is, with the injury and the fact that he's getting it scanned, do I feel great laying five games with a guy who might be battling a bit of an ankle injury? I don't think it's anything serious, but there is a possibility maybe he re-aggravates it and maybe he ends up having to deal with the physio a couple of times, maybe even punts a set if he falls behind early and wants to save some energy. I'm going to take the games. It's more just based on principle. They've had two matches. Both have gone to three sets. Medvedev has not looked comfortable on the surface. Dropped the set to Avashka. Dropped the set to Zverev. I think there's some value on Fakina to keep this match somewhat competitive. 6-4, 6-4, you win. Maybe there's a breaker in there, but I will go with the plus five games here for, for Fakina at minus 125. The number seems a little bit high. If Medvedev was at full strength, maybe I'd reconsider, but he's not because he said he's going to get scanned, Then I'm assuming he's going to get some treatment on it. So I'll lean to Fakina plus the five, and I will lean to the over, I guess, but I don't feel great about it. But I think it is possible for Fakina to win a set. So that's my thoughts on the Wednesday matchups. Now I'm going to transition over to the Thursday matchups. And full disclosure, I only have one line. I have a line in the Fritz Sinner match. I have nothing. Actually, never mind. Uh, as I just refreshed the page, I do have lines on all the matches. So lucky for me. Good timing. But to start off with the early match on Thursday, you have Alcaraz taking on Felix. And in the head-to-head, Felix is 3-0. So Felix has done very well against Alcaraz in the past. They played in Basel in 2022. Felix won in straight sets, 6-3-6-2. They played in hardcourt in the Davis Cup, and Felix won in three sets. And they played in the U.S. Open back in 2021, and Alcaraz got injured, and he retired midway through the second set. He was down a set and a break, and he couldn't go on. I forgot who Alcaraz was playing the match prior but I'm pretty sure it was a marathon and he had nothing left in the tank and ended... Was that the Sitsipas match? I think he might have beaten Sitsipas in five sets and then he got injured and he ended up not being able to play and he retired. So Felix has had a bunch of success, but the issue is Felix has been living dangerously in this event so far. Uh, he had a hard time closing out the match against Rundelow, but he held. He probably should have lost to Tommy Paul. I do understand if you want to make a case for Felix here because he is plus 220, but I think there's probably some. I think Alcaraz is probably going to win in straight sets. Maybe you can make an argument for Alcaraz in three, but I think Alcaraz probably wins this match. He's my pick to win the tournament right now. I think Alcaraz is playing the best tennis of anybody, and I do think that Alcaraz is poised to potentially lift the trophy at the end. So I'm going to lean to Alcaraz. I don't see a spread, and I don't see any set wagering, so I can't tell you Alcaraz in straight set because I don't know what the price is going to be, but I have a money line price. That's the best I got. Alcaraz, uh, Alcaraz is minus 275, and Felix is around plus 220. I'm going to have to pass, but I think Alcaraz probably wins maybe straight sets, maybe a breaker. Give me some type of like 7-6, 6-3 match. I think that's kind of what I'm looking at, but I think Alcaraz will survive in advance. And moving on, to the last match, which you could argue is the most even match on the board because the odds are minus 110 apiece, but just on principle, you have Sinner taking on Fritz. Both guys have looked really good in this event. Fritz did drop a set to Shelton, which makes sense because Shelton's a good server and Fritz was playing his first match after Acapulco, but he woke up after dropping the first set 
in that one, and he's won six straight sets. Ended up beating Baez 6-1, 6-2, beat Fuksovic 6-4, 6-3. Sinner has looked really good as well. He has not dropped a set, beat Gasquet 6-3, 7-6, beat Manorino 7-6, 6-4, and beat Warenka 6-1, 6-4, but that second set was pretty competitive. Now, in the head-to-head, this is the second career meeting that actually did face off in Indian Wells previously as they faced off in 2021 and Fritz beat him comfortably in the round of 16, 6-4, 6-3. Now, Sinner is a much better player since then, and so is Fritz because Fritz is now a fringe top five guy, and Sinner will be a top five, top three guy potentially in a couple of years. But the point is you're looking at Sinner, who I'm assuming is fully healthy because he didn't end up having a physio treatment there once he slipped. So I think he's totally fine. And the movement wasn't compromised at all in the final couple games. The thing is, Fritz has a massive home court advantage because he's from California. He won the championship here recently and the crowd's going to be all over him. So I think that at the end of the day, the crowd's going to help him out. But then again, we just saw with Tommy Paul and he still couldn't close it out. But I think you're going to see a close match. I think that Sinner definitely has the weapons to beat Fritz because Sinner has been phenomenal with the forehand and backhand in this event. The power that he generates so effortlessly is extremely impressive. And I do think that Fritz, the longer these rallies go, the worse off he's going to be. And he has played well, but I kind of roasted. Um, trying to think who I roasted. Um Sorry, I'm just drawing a blank. I, I roasted Tiafo for basically not playing anybody in this event because he had a bunch of easy draws. Now, Shelton is a pretty good young American. He needs some work. Let's be real. I don't think he's the greatest rallier in the world, but the point is he beat Shelton, so that's a pretty good win. But then he faced off against the likes of Baez, who is not a good hardcore player, and Fuksovics, who's pretty good on hardcore, but you never know with this health. So I guess the Fuksovics win's okay. But Sinner did beat Manorino. is a bit tricky. The main win, though, was against Warenka and Gasquet, who are a lot older. So I guess you can argue that Sinner hasn't really faced anybody either, but he hasn't dropped a set either. I think it's probably going to go three sets. I see a bit of a marathon here. I think I'm going to lean to Fritz once again. I hope I'm wrong because I picked Sinner to win the tournament and I have him to win the quarter. And I even posted in the Discord that I have that two-pick parlay of like 45 bucks to win 1200 on Sinner and Nori to both win their quarters, and that's a parlay. So hopefully Nori wins on Wednesday, and if he does, I will hedge. I can't really hedge in the current situation I'm in unless I put maybe a couple hundred on Tiafo, and that way if Tiafo wins, at least I'll make like roughly... I don't know, 3x. And if Tiafa loses, I'll sacrifice the extra 100 and something uh, or 200 and something because I still have one match left before I potentially win a grand and I could hedge accordingly and make some money automatically. So I have to figure out how I'm going to hedge. But the point is, I if Nori ends up beating uh, Tiafo, I will 100% hedge. I think this match is too close and Fritz has looked very, very comfortable in Indian Wells, I think it's going to be close, and I think I will lean to Fritz in in three, but I think I'm going to lean to the over, and I think you're going to end up seeing a marathon match here. Uh, by the way, uh, props were just posted on the Alcaraz match. So Alcaraz minus three and a half games is minus 120. Felix plus three and a half games is minus 120. Over under in games is 22 and a half. Uh, over is, is plus 100. Under is minus 138. Alcaraz to win in straight sets is even money. I think I'm going to take that. I just think Alcaraz is in better form. And I think that even though he has a loss to Felix on hard court, 
I do think that Alcaraz has become the second or third best player in the world, and Felix has looked pretty streaky. I'll lean to Alcaraz in straight sets at even money. But anyway, going back to that Fritz and Sinner match, I like the over in this one. The issue is the games. The over under 23 and a half games is even money on the over under is minus 138. But that doesn't mean that you can find an alt line probably of 22 and a half and maybe minus 120. I don't mind that either. You can get player games for player props, 12 and a half on each player. I don't mind that. But I think you'll see a lot of games, a lot of really, really competitive tennis. And I think you'll end up seeing a situation where this match could go either way. And I think I'm going to lean to Fritz, but I don't feel totally great about it. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. My favorite plays on the over in that match. But anyway, it's going to wrap it up for the quarter breakdowns here for Indian Wells. But fortune into the lock and dog picks. Do you want to take a quick word from our sponsors? WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the SportsCam Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. And March Madness is here. So many ways to bet on the big dance. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get an extra $100 with the state availability. And of course, for DGENs only out there, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. So I'm going to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. Offer subject to change. Terming conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where play to women is available. If you're somebody who knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by the SGPN DGEN Dance. Our March Madness bankroll contest is back. Free to enter and $1,000 in cash and prizes up for grabs. Plus, we've got first half under bingo where you could win an SGPN gift card. Enter both contests on the SGPN app. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the quarterfinal matches in Indian Wells, but now it's time to get into the actual bets for the show. Time for the lock and dog segment. So looking at the matches in particular, I thought about Fakina plus five, but I'm not, I'm not going to take it because Medvedev, if he looks sharp, I think could bury Fakina. So keep an eye on it. It is tempting, though, with how bad Mevitt has looked into this particular tournament. I thought about Alcaraz in straight sets, potentially as the dog, but I didn't feel great about it. Thought about the over in the Fritz Center match, but I don't see an exact line on 22 and a half, so I don't feel great about that either. So for the lock, I'm going to actually go to a match prop in the Nori and Tiafo match. And for this one, I'm going to go with no tiebreaker in the match. It's going to be something that we have not taken, I believe, ever on the show, but no tiebreaker in the match is currently minus 120, and I'm going to take it because I think it's a great price, and I think you'll see a lot of money coming in on the under half a tiebreak, but looking at the actual uh, matches so far for both players, uh, Tiafo has not been to a breaker. In fact, he has not been close to a breaker. Every match that he has played in, each set has had 10 games or less, and He's looked really comfortable. Now, once again, weaker competition, but the serve's been good, the return's been good, and the courts have been slow, so I think you'll see a decent amount of breaks in this match. You saw Nori beat Rublev with no tiebreak. You saw a tiebreak in the first set between Nori and Daniel. 
but there was a break from each player in the first set. So I do think you can end up seeing some breaks and you might need a break from each player to get a tie break, which I'll take my chance. It's fading. And the first match was six, two, six, four. So one tiebreaker combined between these two players in this event in the head to head, they played in Delray and that ended up being a three setter with no uh, tie breaks at all. They played in an exhibition tournament back in 2019. First set did go to a breaker, but once again, it was an exhibition in 2019. But based on how slow the courts have played and based on how well Tiafo has been serving so far, I think you could see Tiafo break Nori one time per set. Maybe he's able to hold for an entire set or maybe you just have chaos and both players struggle with the serves. But I do think tie break is a bit unlikely when you've looked at the form both players are in with their return games, and I think you'll see a decent amount of breaks. So give me the under half a tie break in the Nori and Tiafo match at minus 120. And for my dog, I thought about Tiafo Moneyline just as a perfect hedge for Nori to win the quarter. I'm tempted by it because I think that the odds could be better. The thing is, do I think Sinner and Fritz are guaranteed to go three? Because that's kind of what I'm what I'm contemplating. It's a matter of if I prefer going with Tiafo money line or if I prefer going with Fritz and Center three sets. Uh, can I even find a three set match? That's the question. So three sets is plus one ten. Not enough value there for me. I can't do it. Plus one ten is really a horrible deal. At that point, I'd rather take the over twenty three and a half games because you could get there if it goes to two tie breaks, for example. So I'm going to say no on the sets there. I don't like the value, but I do like the over in games based on where the sets are located, which means I will double up on the Tiafo and Nori match. I will go with Tiafo Moneyline. He's American. He's got the home crowd behind him. And this match should be competitive. The Delray match they just had was competitive. Can't say just had. The last hardcore match they had was competitive. But you're looking at Tiafo at plus 140 in what should be a competitive match with the underdog having the significant home crowd advantage. I like the value there, so give me Tiafo on the money line at plus 140. So once again, the lock and dog for the Wednesday show is going to be Tiafo and Nori. No tiebreakers in the match at minus 120 as the lock. And my dog will be Tiafo money line at plus 140. But I also do not mind the over two and a half sets at plus 130. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We're back once again here for... I'm not sure what exactly the schedule is going to be because I said before what the schedule is for the ATP. They don't have matches on Friday, so we could potentially just skip Friday and get back into the semis on probably very, very early Saturday morning. Or in theory, I could also cover the women's semifinals. So I guess that's an option. Maybe I'll pivot and do a women's episode. Be kind of weird to just pick up a tournament at the semis, but still... I might do that, so keep an eye on the schedule. We'll see how I feel, but there is a chance we might have a WTA episode since we do have a random day off for men's tennis on Friday. But you can find me on Twitter, Rice Show Radio. You can find me on the NBA Gambling Podcast and the NFL Gambling Podcast. And until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.